Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition episode of Stick a Fork in It. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a modified What the Food Bank today in light of the current coronavirus situation. Normally we would bring on a guest and talk to them about their involvement in the community and their involvement with Feeding Tampa Bay, but in light of the current situation, we just wanted to give some people some insight into the things that we're doing um, as first responders it, during this disaster to try to help the community keep going, to keep getting food into people's homes. Um, and so that's why today we're doing something a little bit different. We also want people to know that if you are in need of food during this time, we are still running our mobile pantries. We are still serving hot meals out of both of our Trinity Cafe locations. And we are also allowing people to come to the warehouse to pick up food and groceries from our community market. So if you need more information about any of those services, you can find that on our website, feedingtampabay.org. Um, you can also find information about it on our social media at Feeding Tampa Bay on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, my name is Ev Malcolm. I'm the engineer for the show here at Feeding Tampa Bay. I'm here with Matt Spence, Shannon Han Olivero, and our CEO, Thomas Mance. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. How's everybody doing? Good. It's interesting to be a guest on our show. I'm very, I'm honored. You guys have had some terrific folks on the show. I don't know how I uh, qualify, but glad to be here. <laughs> In a crisis, you go with whoever's nearby. <laughs> Good to know. Thank you. Right. Right. First of all, how are you doing, Thomas? We know you've been extremely busy. Um, handling everything that's been going on, Matt, as well. So we wanted to open the show by asking you, how are you? I think I'm okay. Thanks for asking. I think, you know, the uh, what happens for an organization like ours in crisis, and I know you asked me about me, but what happens in an organization when there is crisis is you develop a singular focus, which is good. Everybody has the same objective. As you know, an organization like Feeding Tampa Bay, at any one time we have so many different things happening that you feel like you're juggling a lot of different uh, wants, needs, expectations, and deliveries. In a time like this, we have a very, very singular focus, and that's to make sure that we're here for the community. The other part of that that helps all of us, I think, personally and professionally is it allows you to rally around a particular cause, and it really allows us to unite. So you see the best of people. Uh, you see the best of our colleagues. You see the best of our community. You see the best of our board, all the folks in and around our orbit uh, people, uh, time and again, volunteers step up and say, how can I come into this moment with you and make sure that uh, my neighbor is okay? And, uh, you know, Shannon, I find that a remarkably personally affirming thing. Uh, so if you're drawing strength from that, right. which I think we all can do, it's, uh, it's remarkably liberating uh, and affirming and allows us to do the work that we're called to do. Inspiring as well, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, but you know, as as is Thomas's nature, he deflected from Thomas. How are you doing? Yes, <laughs> I, I'm doing okay. I, uh, you know, I feel in some ways um, when I started in the food banking industry and started in the nonprofit world, I really felt like it was a good fit between my own personal sensibilities and capabilities and the needs of the community. And so I feel like I'm built kind of for this. Um, this is what I feel okay doing, and uh, I think the more the task seems uh, challenging, I feel more energized uh, by that. So I feel okay. My, I think like most of us, uh, Matt, my family's safe, those I care about. My loved ones are all in, in good shape. Uh, I understand one of my stepsons may be coming down to stay with us for a little while from New York City, and so my wife is excited about that. Uh, but I'm okay. Uh, I love the responsibility and opportunity that this uh, this kind of uh, 
circumstance affords us. Good. In, in another time when we have a little more uh, time and space, we'll definitely bring you back and, and dig into how you ended up in this place in the oh i might get another episode well wow. we'll see how this one does yeah. Yeah. We'll see how you okay <laughs> the test. all right <laughs> it's a two test so matt how are you because you are part of our leadership team uh programs is uh is your thing so and i know that's a lot to manage we're um uh, changing things up to serve the community in the best way that we can so how are you doing? Because that's a lot on your shoulders as well under Thomas. Um, I'm doing great. You know, it's one of the really great things about having the kind of leadership we have in Thomas and the, the board here is that we feel really empowered in these times. Um, and being able to do the work you're called to do and meant to do and, and placed here to do is, like Thomas said, a really empowering and, and liberating kind of feel. And so in that sense, I'm doing really well. We're, we're getting to really, really see in a very direct way the way we support our community. And sometimes in our work, you know, as we've talked about on previous episodes, we can be as as senior staff a little bit removed from the day to day. This is a reminder that what we do really matters to people right. and that how we do it and uh, how often we are there for people is just a, a critical underlying uh, reason our community can thrive like it does. And so it's it's nice to have that reminder. On a personal note, I think all is going well. You know, my wife is really doing the heavy lifting right now because my three boys are at home learning how to be online learners. Well, she is learning how to teach science online, which is an interesting thing to do. Um, so uh, from, from that sense, you know, uh, there's a lot going on, but it's all good. Right. All good. And it's been really nice. Yeah. I would just add in before we get into the meat of the episode about what Feeding Tampa Bay is doing. Uh, on a personal note, it's been really, really nice to just have time I have to spend uh, with fewer distractions from my kids, with uh, fewer other things going on, just good quality family time, sitting around playing cards, sitting together, you know, right. being being together as, as a family has been really nice. And it's sad that it takes something like this to to remind you of that but it's been a really nice kind of side benefit of, of what's going on well and i think i'm now going to be the worst kind of guest so i'm going to add other stuff in so i think you know uh i would also say to to you and ev um but i think it's important for you know listeners that that think about this work and the work that we do is uh you know we seek a kind of person who can step into these moments uh, and and I think one of the things that's most gratifying for me, and, and you two can affirm this uh, in your own experience, is that uh, the one of the great joys that I have is the people that we work alongside who step into different responsibilities in these moments. And uh, we were reflecting earlier today on the number of folks that did different things and do different things during crises. And I think all across social services organizations, so if you're a if you're a Metropolitan Ministries, if you're a Boys and Girls Club, if you're a uh, another organization that is on the front lines, so many things that you see are the greatest, um, uh, uh, the best of people that come into the work that we do. You know, that old saw of does adversity reveal character or build it? The answer is both, and we get to participate in that. And I think one of the things we want the community to know is that that's what we're here for and that's who we are. And I think, you know, we... I believe strongly we're all better for it. And so I'd, I'd ask you guys the question, how are you doing? This is, uh, we've been through hurricanes together and we've had a few things. How are you doing? What's going on in your world and how do you feel? I, I'm doing great. Thankfully, I'm feeling healthy. Um, I think it's been really amazing to see 
um, all of the ways that people's uh, kind of responsibilities are changing and the way that they're handling that. Everyone here is just jumping right in, um, you know, and the energy has been so high around here, which is great. Um, and, you know, I'm actually going to get to go out into the community a little bit today and see how some of our programs are changing to kind of, you know, fit the situation that we're dealing with. And I'm excited to see that and share that with the community as well, kind of show them what we're doing. Um, I, I'm doing great. Um, very fortunate to be on this team and work with everyone, watching everyone pick up not just their responsibilities, but we join in and help everyone else um, in their their own responsibilities and adapt to whatever we need to do, not only with our programs, but our, the, our own things that come into our hands. And um, from a personal note, you know, we always talk about that meal around the table. You know, our families are kind of being uh, forced to slow down. So we're actually having those meals around the table. Um, I'm cooking for my family. It's not just like kind of that pulling everyone in. We're sitting down and we're talking about things that maybe we haven't had time to talk about before. And I think maybe our community um, is experiencing that as well. And, you know, our programs, you know, I'm going with Ev today. I'm looking forward to go to T2, seeing um, how we're um, handling, passing out meals and continuing that service at Trinity Cafe. Uh, which is a place where I just started uh, years ago, and um, I'm just really thrilled to interact and talk to those that we serve, which is something that I miss um, sometimes being in the building all the time because I love interacting with the community as well. And then finally, a lot of things that I see, um, especially on social, because that's part of our communications team, is um, sometimes the the media is reflected negatively, and I just want to put the thanks out there for the media, what they've been doing for Feeding Tampa Bay, because they are there for us. They are calling us. They want to hear how we're out there, how we can keep the community informed on um, the services that we provide and the other nonprofits to take care of our community. So there is a very wonderful and positive aspect to the media here in Tampa Bay and how they want to take care of um, our neighbors. So um, that I'm very thankful for as well. I sure echo that. And I think one of the things you're talking about, again, I assume you guys have some questions for this, but I'm just going to keep going. I sure do. <laughs> so, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, Matt, you mentioned this and Shannon, you mentioned this. I think for all of us in times of crisis, you reaffirm what your foundational values are. And those are the things that allow you to make your way through difficulties. And if and if you have a firm foundation, mm-hmm. right, you can withstand a lot because you have the things in and around you that allow you to withstand challenge. I think you all mentioned something, which I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about more, is that idea that one of the foundational elements that we want and need, and then that we as an organization are endeavoring to provide, is the foundational element of a meal in which folks can gather around. And I think. So for some people, it's your faith uh, and, and other values that you have. It's your family. It's the things that define who you are. But there are other elements. And when those elements are in place, we can pretty much uh, make our way through a whole lot. But I, I think it's important to all of us to remember that we have to stand on the foundations that we've built. That'll allow uh, all of us to make our way through this. And I think yeah. that's a good transition to where I think we want to head next, which is that for those in our community who struggle in good times, they get disproportionately affected in crises. And so that's been our primary worry, I would say, as an organization, is we knew 600,000 folks in the Tampa Bay area were already struggling to meet basic needs in a time of crisis when you know, part-time workers are having an almost impossible time finding continued revenue when those who had steady jobs are finding them 
fall out from underneath them. The need for what we do is just so acute. Well, and I think, yeah, and I, you know, one of the things that we, Matt, we talk about often, and I think Shannon was alluding to this earlier at, at Trinity, but one of the things we see about the folks we serve is an incredible resilience and bravery that many of us don't have to exhibit every day. It's not a hard life if you can stop at the store, buy what you need, and head on home with a full tank of gas. Uh, we see a resilience and character in the folks we serve all the time. Uh, and it's, it's, for me, it's one of the things that I admire most about those we're fortunate enough to uh, uh, serve alongside. But I do think in times like this, when we see things like excess buying by those that have the means, we're now placing the folks who are struggling at greater disadvantage even further. And I think with com- compromised incomes, uh, with rising prices of certain goods, and with lack of availability, many of us can go out and buy excess amounts of toilet paper or whatever else is needed. The families we serve are already compromised. And I think uh, uh, for us, that's something that's really difficult to wrap our minds around uh, because we see a great need and a growing need in times like this. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's natural for those of us who have the means in a time like this where you see a run on toilet paper to say, hey, you know, I'm going to stock up with some extra, even though I don't really need it. I'm okay. I got mine uh, over the weekend like I normally do. Um, the idea that we are actually depriving others of what they can barely afford as is, is just not the first thing that comes to mind. So I appreciate you bringing that out because it's so true that those who have limited means to begin with are never going to be able to stock up. And if we're clearing the shelves, they're not even going to be able to catch up. And I think the good news for us in the work that we do is the guidance we're getting from Uh, our national partners and from great uh, uh, local store organizations like the Publixes and the Walmarts and the Winn-Dixies, their shelves are going to get replenished pretty soon. And so we want to make sure that everybody listens to this knows that, that there is food coming in. And once we get through this initial crisis, the expectation uh, given to us is that the shelves will be stocked again. Uh, But I think back to your point, one of the things we're very aware of in crisis, as resources become more limited, we find that those who are in need of resources the most struggle to get it. And part of our work, I think, as I see it, and we do this anyway, but it's particularly focused and acute in times like this, is how do we overcome barriers to access? What is it that we do? And I think, Matt, you know, one of the areas you're focusing really hard on is that children are out of school. So what do we do to step into that moment, which is a crisis for a family and a child, Uh, Because we're already there uh, with our school pantries and other things we're doing. But how do we step into those uh, moments with the people that we serve and make sure we're overcoming barriers to access? Yeah, I think there's two major activities we're undertaking. But before I get there, I want to kind of define the need a little bit. You know, across our 10 counties, there's over a quarter million kids who are regularly on and, and qualify for free or reduced priced lunch. So that tells you there's an existing need in that family. And so now you look at Hillsborough County Schools, 110,000 kids who are eligible for free lunch in good times. And if their school is closed, that is five and sometimes 10, because breakfast is often served as well, meals a week that are just not there for them. We've seen our schools really step up and try to understand how they can step into that gap and they're going to probably open about 10% of their schools to the community and continue to serve meals. Which is a great thing that they're doing. It's It's a terrific Yeah, it's huge. And I I don't want to in any way minimize that, but 
it also doesn't step all the way in and cover all the need that's there. And so what we've been doing is mapping out their response, working alongside them, we're planning them together, and we're looking at gaps where they might not be in a place that's easily accessible to another community, and that's where we're stepping up our response. So we're going to be in school parking lots, we're going to be at neighborhood uh, gathering places, and you know we're going to try to keep things moving so that we don't have large groups gathering. But we will have food, you know, hot meals available to kids who would normally get them at school. And we have we have some great partners stepping in to help us deliver those. We have volunteers. We're going to show up at those sites and make sure distributions happen. And and all of that, is, as you might imagine, there's a, a ton of complex logistics behind it. But by Monday, the 23rd, we will have a lot of that in place. We will have know uh, a couple of dozen sites across our community where we're adding in and around what's being done by our other partners and where people will be able to find this is on our website under fine food so that's being updated almost daily yeah I would uh, you know I would I would remind people that this is a very fluid situation and so when you see uh, you know a post on Facebook saying these are the 26 sites check back because tomorrow there might be 46 and then Right. They might be in different locations. And so find food on our website is going to be the best place for right. it. We're adjusting as we go and, and helping everyone that we can. I have uh, another question. You know, speaking of like protocols changing and um, us getting our food out into the community, I'm sure that a lot of people are concerned about, um, you know, the virus being spread through contact and things like that. So what are some of the protocols that we're changing to make sure that we are, uh, you know, handing out the handing food out in the safest way, making sure that right. people aren't um, exposed in the process of collecting it. How are we changing those protocols in this time? So there are some pretty significant changes in, in peace, peaceful, healthy times. Usually what we do is we encourage that interaction. We encourage that moment of dignity and exchange of, of goodwill between people. And so we invite people to come in and shop and walk around and, and engage with our volunteers, engage with our staff. Um, but this is just not the time for that. And so in order to make sure that we're following CDC guidelines, that we're protecting those that we serve. But right now, keeping them healthy is the most dignified thing that we can do. And so we've moved back to a model where we're pre-packing boxes and we're making as much stuff walk through or drive through as we possibly can. If somebody can drive up to a distribution and just pop their trunk and we can put a, a box of groceries in their trunk and they drive away without having ever having physical contact, then not only are we meeting that immediate need of food, but we're also providing them that dignified connection of, we understand that your health might be compromised by coming and shaking my hand as much as I want to shake your hand and look you in the eye and say, have a great day. I'm protecting you by not doing those things. Right. right. I think when we think about our work, it's important that we understand that the dignity of the moment and the opportunity to self-select food is a critical element of, of, uh, of the experience that we uh, try and create for our clients and neighbors. I do think in moments like now, we have an additional element, which is health. And so how do we make sure we're balancing that? When we think health, we think the clients we serve, we think the donors that support us, and we think the staff that's there. And so we've got to balance all of those to make sure that we're creating an environment where uh, everybody can maintain a degree of, of, of uh, uh, physical well-being uh, and still do our work. I think one of the things that really weighs on us as an organization, and going back to some of the conversation we had earlier about our colleagues is we still have two main obligations, and that's to make sure that those that help us do the work we do 
are taken care of while those we serve get what they need. And I think organizationally, this is something that's on my mind a lot, is how do we balance those two needs? Many businesses, fortunately, can practice significant social distancing and close and everybody work from home. And that's wonderful. And we're glad because that probably gives us more space to operate. But the reality is we still have to get food onto a table. We still have to find a pathway by which to do that. And so it's challenging for us to balance those two different needs together. Again, I want to make sure those that listen to this understand that we can do that with good practices. And as a food relief organization, we're already held to a higher standard of conduct around food safety, security, and practice. So for us, much of what we had to do wasn't new. Uh, We just had to ramp it up times X to make sure that we were going above and beyond. So if we were cleaning our facility once a day, it's twice a day. If we were gloved all the time uh, or, you know, uh, we made sure that folks have gloves uh, in every application. And so uh, we're making sure that we're doing what we can to support that. But I think, again, we want the community to understand that we still need to be here. Uh, We hear the wonderful stories of... Uh, healthcare professionals and police and fire who put themselves at risk every single day. And our admiration runs deep and wide for those folks. I would just like to remind people that, uh, you know, Kim Ramey, who is on our team, is out there every single day leading mobile pantries to make sure that uh, folks in our community can get fed. Uh, and, And it's a substantive commitment on her part uh, to make sure that she's sacrificially but carefully uh, supporting our community. Our Trinity Cafe team is doing the same thing every single day. You know, we have, it's it's always great to personalize the story, right? And Kim is a great example of somebody who's just selfless in her dedication to the work. There's dozens of us doing that every day, and that's great. And there's there's more than that. There's hundreds across Tampa Bay who are doing the same thing. We understand this is a conversation about us. Uh, but I think it's also important to understand that there are many, many nonprofits right now that are trying to balance those two very different needs. And what I would say to the community is, if you can and if you will, uh, all of us need you to step into these moments with us. Again, we need to follow and heed the rules, regulations, and guidance that we're getting from healthcare professionals, from our elected officials, which we want and will do. But we also have to make sure that folks have access to the most important a health antidote, which is the access to uh, food. Right. And right now we are um, still um, seeking volunteers. So what is that volunteer experience like that we need is right here at the warehouse, correct? And we've put in extra uh, portable sinks. Um, We have hand sanitizer. We're encouraging families to come if they can and are comfortable. Well, I think we we have several different, so it is a good, safe place. And and so because we have 80,000 square foot, you can separate quite a bit. And so I think if you're coming on campus, we can create an experience where no more than 10 are volunteering together. Uh, And then when we have other opportunities that are associated with, let's say, distributing children's food or uh, some of those other programs, it's a very small amount and we can minimize uh, if not eliminate contact. Okay. Uh, so it helps us get the food staged, but doesn't necessarily bring folks into contact. And so I think, again, if you want to and can volunteer with us, we can create uh, a safe zone for you to do that. We want to, again, remind everybody, if you're of a particular age, if you're of a particular health profile, you need to heed those warnings and stay away. Right. Uh, but if you're able, comfortable, and, and capable, uh, we certainly could use your help across our platform 
I think, again, you probably use this elsewhere, but uh, feedingtampabay.org and volunteer. You can sign up for shifts. Uh, you can always call us. You can always look for us on Facebook, and we're happy to connect with you and, and uh, link you into those opportunities. Yeah, and those opportunities are evolving constantly as we talk about uh, the children's programs. Like I mentioned earlier, we're going to have opportunities for people to come out and help distribute those meals. You know, we're going to have opportunities when we start delivering directly to seniors for drivers to come in and help us move food around the community direct to those who are not able to go out, like you said, who have barriers to access because for their own life, not just health, but life, they need to stay quarantined as much as possible. And I think, it, you know, you're also referring to another part of our world that I guess I'd like to think about and mention, you know, is organizationally, I'm sorry, did you guys have questions to ask? <laughs> yeah, I think you're actually <laughs> you're getting leaning to right into the yeah, question, so kind of you keep out. going. <laughs> so I think, you know, one of the things that, that is, uh, I was thinking earlier today, we had our, you know, lengthy status meeting as we do uh, about what to do next. And every single day, our plan is different. Every single day. And I think, again, it's important. I want to say that to the community. So if you want to know what we're doing, every single day a new piece of information comes out. You know, I'll share a funny little anecdote. So we were in our board meeting on Monday night, regularly scheduled, and the senior management team is presenting to our board the efforts that we're undertaking to do this. And we went through a lengthy discussion about uh, we're not going to have any more than 50 people gathered at one time. And in the middle of our board meeting came out the guidance that you shouldn't have more than 10. <laughs> one of our board members said, hey, I just read an email that said now it's 10. And so uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning, we changed all of our protocols around that. And so, again, and that, I, to add into what that looked like, you know, we're sitting there and only the senior staff was in the room and we had spread out a little right. bit because we were trying to practice social distancing. All our board members are on the call. And I'm on my notepad sketching for what? Thomas. Diagramming. How we could, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> football play diagramming where we can route people and how we can put, we can put 10 over here. And if we put five in this corner and we do, you know, and, and that's just the kind of thing that happens every day around here during these times. And, right. and we just want to encourage people to keep checking back with us. And I think that's, you know, again, I think it's one of the things that we feel good about as an organization is that uh, uh, we feel very, very strongly that there are, uh, people that uh, we need to heed there. You know, when the mayor says this is what we're doing, that's what we do. When the CDC says this is what we're doing, that's what we do. We follow the guidance of our elected officials and the folks that know best what to do. Uh, we follow those responsibly as we should be. And then we adapt our processes and programs to uh, support that. And so I think that's a challenge operationally. And I think one of the great things about our organization is our ability to do that. Uh, but I also think that we want to make sure the community knows uh, what you volunteered to do today may be different between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m., and it might be different between today and tomorrow. But, uh, uh, but again, we need the community support uh, to do what we uh, want, need, and are called to do. And Thomas and I are both uh, baseball guys, and so we end up using a lot of baseball metaphors over <laughs> over time. And, and what we're looking for is not the uh, situational left-handed reliever who can only do one thing well. <laughs> we're really looking for those utility infielders, those who can you know, play first base and third base and, and work in the outfield as needed, those who are willing to come in and say, what do you need, coach? Yep, and Straight so for all line. those, right, so for all those non-sports people, uh, we need folks with versatility. 
There you go. Got it. I know the word switch hitter. Is that uh, does that apply at all here? Sure. Uh, sure. Okay. okay. We'll go with you. This okay. isn't that kind of podcast. Oh, fair enough. Fair. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, and, and and I'd like to add, you know, just as we identify who we're helping specifically, just so the folks out there are aware. There's really kind of three communities that we're pretty concerned about and that we're focusing a lot of our efforts on. First and foremost, like Thomas mentioned earlier, we're looking at kids who are missing school meals, you know, seeing what we can do to push food out in those situations and in those communities. We're also really identifying where there are seniors who are socially isolating or, you know, a lot of people don't realize that there was already a significantly backed up need for low income and fixed income seniors to have access to meals. And so there are great partners who do this work every day in neighborly care network and the senior connection center. And, uh, you know, all of the area agencies on aging and meals on wheels are out there serving seniors every day, but they have really been challenged in this time and they're creating all sorts of contingency plans just like we are, but they also have waiting lists on a good day. And so there is significant unmet need for seniors on a good day. Now, that need is only elevated. And so that's another really important population for us. And then being in Florida, we know the hospitality industry is what makes this state run. You know, we have amazing restaurants. This is a birthplace of some some of your favorites. And mm-hmm. I'm sure in later episodes, we'll dive into that. But, uh, you know, the the hotel industry is huge here. The travel industry is huge here. The uh, retail and uh, hospitality food industry is huge. And those folks are going to be the first and most deeply affected by what's going on. And so we need to look at, and we're building all sorts of you know, potential solutions around how we reach out and support folks who are losing their hourly wages, folks who are losing, uh, you know, their restaurant is closing or there's 4% capacity in their hotel and, and there's just, there's no work. And when there's no work, there's no income. And that's a place where we need to step in. Yeah, I think, you know, we talk about the government shutdown last year. We developed programs and deployed programs that were specifically for that community. So the uh, pop-up pantry at the airport and different things like that. I uh, want our listeners to know that we're working across several different efforts to uh, perhaps develop the resources that a a restaurant can still create and move those meals into the community. We're looking at how could we potentially harness the labor pool from those that have been displaced and move them into supporting the community. And perhaps there's even a, an opportunity to create additional revenue for folks, uh, income for folks that are out of work. Uh, and, and also uh, to surface as many donations of food out of the restaurant community and food communities we can that might not otherwise be used. And so, again, we the good news about our business is we can be very, very specific in how we target uh, some of our areas. And I think, Matt, the, the last area you're going to talk about is, you know, and you started with this, is that we have six to 700,000 folks every single day who need us. And in all likelihood, many of those folks are going to be displaced from an income perspective because they're a gig economy, they're an hourly worker, they're a entertainment or restaurant uh, staff member. And so uh, this is not only a problem today, uh, this is going to be an arc for those we serve that lasts six months to a year. Uh, And so we always know that there's the crisis to get someone through, and then there's rebuilding of the life, and that takes much longer. And so we always look at that and make sure we want people to understand that if uh, all goes well 90 days from now, 
uh, doesn't mean that the folks that are challenged are better. We've got to make sure that we walk alongside people until their household is restored. We know that happens. We've seen it happen after hurricanes and government shutdowns and other things. Uh, But we do know that there's a longer walk ahead for those we serve. Again, most of us will recover economically pretty quickly. Many of those we serve will not, and we still have a lot of work to do to make sure we pick those folks up as well. Yeah, all of the uh, information that we know in the long-term recovery world after disasters is that it does take six months to a year for people just to get back to whole, to where they were at the beginning. And for many of them, where they were at the beginning was still not meeting basic needs. Well, one thing we want to remind our listeners is that that you're sitting at home, and uh, that is where you intend to stay. You can go online to feedingtampabay.org. One dollar equals 10 meals, and that is a great way that you can help us out and help us get food out into the community. And I think in times like this, you know, we always say folks can give of time, talent, and treasure. Mm-hmm. I think the other issue is give voice. So many people that you might know might not know where to go to get food. And I think in times like this in particular, one of the reasons why we would do a podcast like this is to make sure that people know the avenues by which they can find food. People that have never been in need of food before don't know where to turn. And so if you know someone that may be struggling, please make sure they know how to contact us. And we hope that our website and Facebook page provide very clear and uh, distinct avenues for people to get resources because there's nothing worse than to feel desperate that you can't find resources that you need. And there are many other places. 211 in our community is a fabulous resource to use, and they can hook you into a variety of different uh, need. You may not just need food, you may need other services and support. And so use 211 to do that. But we want to make sure everybody knows that it's important to look out for a friend and neighbor in times like this as well. Right. There are many people out there that want to help and take care of you. So just reach out or share. Absolutely. And uh, be sure to tune in again. We'll have another episode of uh, Stick a Fork in It in a couple of weeks. And um, We'll continue to plug you into, you know, uh, our partners around the community and the things that we're doing. And you can keep learning about what we do here every single day. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Feeding Tampa Bay.